Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. We are going to be looking today, we're still going to take a little bit more break until we start up our series in Mark again, and I thought it would be good to take a look today at the gift of Sabbath rest. Uh, This is something we periodically look at, but I think it's very, very important because it's very misunderstood and also very much not practiced in our culture. And so we're going to be looking at Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, This is in a, a section in a book that many Christians are not very familiar with. Uh, in Leviticus, but it brings up something that is woven throughout Scripture and, in fact, throughout all creation, which is God's gift of Sabbath rest to us. So Leviticus chapter 23, you can follow along on the screens or in your booklet, or better yet, even in your Bible. Hear now the word of the living God. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. One of the things that has changed in recent times is that we are no longer people who live by clear rhythms. Most human beings throughout history, and in fact, most humans today, even alive today, have a life that is full of very clear rhythms. And what I mean by this is most human beings, when did they get up? When the sun rose. And when do you stop doing everything and pretty much go to bed when the sun would set because you didn't really have, you didn't have electricity and flipping on light switches. If you wanted to eat certain foods, it was dependent upon what season you were in. There were seasons of sowing, seasons of growing, seasons of reaping, um, and we lived by the rhythms that were woven in to creation. But in our culture, we've used technology to shift and to change all of that. And so we more or less live in a stream of time that there is very little differentiation. Today, you can pretty much do anything any time in the day. Even when I was a a young man, which wasn't all that long ago, Sunday was a very distinct day. Most things were not open. You could kind of... If you had gone to sleep and and awakened at a particular time, you could have probably guessed what day it was or what time of day it was because things were marked out and distinct, but that's no longer the case. Now, pretty much, we just live in a 24-7 stream of time. We have few dependable rhythms, and that was made even worse by COVID a couple of years ago because it even disrupted some of the rhythms that we still had, like a work rhythm. Uh, People were going out certain places in certain times, and even that got disrupted by COVID. Now, the reason I bring this up, and I think it's important, is because God, if you read the early chapters of Genesis, it's really clear there is a rhythm that is woven into creation. And 
Central among that was a rhythm of a weekly Sabbath rest. And so today I want us to just take a little bit of time to step back and say, what is Sabbath? And is it really important? Is that just an ancient, ancient concept? Or is that something that is actually applicable to us today? Is it something that like, you know, in the Old Testament, you worshiped by killing a little animal, but we know that was fulfilled in Jesus and no longer applies. Is Sabbath something like that? Or is it something that still has great application for us in our life? So that's what we're going to try and uncover today as we look at this text. Now, the central idea in Sabbath, this is the first thing we need to lay out is what do we mean by Sabbath? And the central idea regarding Sabbath is rest. Notice in Leviticus 23.3, it actually says that uh, the six days when you may work with the seventh is a Sabbath of rest. And in the Hebrew, it's kind of funny because it literally says a Sabbath of Sabbathing is what it is. That's what the actual phrase is, that it is a Sabbath of Sabbathing. And usually when you look at the idea of Sabbath in the Scripture, it mentions that you are to rest and you are not to work. And the reason for this is the Hebrew word Shabbat, and you you may have heard that word before, Shabbat, from which we get Sabbath, means literally to cease or to desist, to stop, and then it kind of grew into the idea of resting. Now, the reason for this is, if we look at two scriptures in Exodus chapter 20, where in the Ten Commandments, God commands the Sabbath, and it's reflecting upon Genesis chapter 2, the creation account, we kind of see why these two ideas are there. In Exodus 20, we're told, in six days the Lord created the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the Sabbath day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So notice Moses says, look, you're, you're going to be observing this because you're following the pattern that God did, that after his creating, all of his work of creating, the Lord rested on the Sabbath day. And in fact, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, which is what Moses is referring to, we go back and we read, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating. So we see that in Genesis, God actually, in essence, took a Shabbat. He ceased. He had been creating day after day after day. We read this rhythm of these six days where God in the first three days is forming things out of chaos and in the second three days he's filling things that that correspond to it. And then on the seventh day we read that he ceased. And so in Exodus, the Lord is giving the Ten Commandments out, and he tells us in Exodus uh, twenty eleven that the Lord rested on the Sabbath day. But what's interesting is the word there in Exodus 20 is actually a different word. It's not the word Shabbat. It's actually the word that's normally to rest, nuach, that is, actually means to cease, to stop, to rest in doing that. But notice what's happening here is uh, the rest that is there is the interpretation of what happened when God ceased from his work. In Genesis 2, he actually just stopped working. 
but the implication that comes out of that is that he is actually resting. Now, we know with God it's not because he's physically tired or anything like that. We're going to kind of unpack what all of that means. But this gives the idea that the central idea, when we say Sabbath, the first thing that ought to come to mind is rest. Now, unfortunately, if Christians think about it today, we often are primarily concerned about rules and regulations. We can become very much like the Pharisees. When we read in the New Testament and the Pharisees and Jesus are arguing over the Sabbath, which they did a lot, we've seen that in Mark's gospel many times, the Pharisees became very, very focused on particular questions, laws, days when it had to happen. Am I allowed to do this? Am I not allowed to do that? And Jesus is constantly getting on them. You're missing the point of what it was done for. Sabbath is not primarily about less activity. It's really about rest. That's what's in view. Now, to be clear, as we're going to see, it does call for less activity. It calls for us to cease. That's what the word means. But the point is not ceasing for the sake of ceasing. It is ceasing so that we can rest. It is doing less of one thing, working, laboring, so that we can do more of another thing, which is resting and being refreshed. So what we'll do is, with that basic introduction, we want to look at five different things in the Scripture, and we can see most of these right here in this text, that help us to understand the biblical idea of Sabbath rest, why it's important, uh, and how we can put it into practice in our own life. The first thing is that Sabbath is a rest to refresh our bodies and our spirits. It is a rest to refresh our bodies and our spirits. And in each of these, I'm going to say it's a rest to do something. So these are the different aspects of rest. So number one, we're refreshing our body and our spirit. Notice in verse 3, the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, a sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. So notice he specifically says, look, this is a Sabbath of rest. You are ceasing in order to be able to rest. To do that, you are not to do any work because it is a day of Sabbathing, of resting before the Lord. So again, the word itself means this, and it's specifically stated here. If you want to know what the Sabbath is, he tells us it is a Sabbath of rest. And notice what's going on is you're not doing any work. And when they're saying that, he's saying you cease your normal activities. We go back to the Genesis account. God has been creating. And every day we read, we read what God does. And there's evening and there's morning and there's this whole pattern. And then it is disrupted on the seventh day. The normal activity is stopped so that there can be a day of rest and refreshment. In Exodus chapter 23, we read another passage about Sabbath, and it says this, six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work. Why? So that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the slave born in your household and the alien as well may be refreshed. So we do no work. The Sabbath says, stop working. Stop those other activities. The, the, you, you've got six days to do those. This day you stop. But why do you do that? 
so that you can be refreshed. And what's interesting is the, the word refreshed in Hebrew is literally to be resold, to breathe in, to, to have your soul repaired and restored, to take a breather. And notice, and this begins to be important for us in answering whether this still applies today, this isn't just for the individual Israel. It is for uh, the slaves who are there, the alien, the person who is from outside Israel but living there. They are to be given a Sabbath. Even the animals are to be given a Sabbath. If you read in Leviticus chapter 25, we read even the land is given a Sabbath. This is not even just God's gift and his command, but his gift to his people, if you are created, then you are created for Sabbath. It applies to everything that is created. So who in here is created, then Sabbath applies to you. It doesn't matter when you live in human history, what culture you live in, anything else. If you are created, you need Sabbath. It is inherent to being created. This is important because we are not machines. Okay? We, because we have created machines and technology, we've started, unfortunately, to be shaped into their image. And we think of ourselves in terms of machines. We think of much of creation in terms of machines. And we say, these things don't have to rest. That is not the way God created. We are not machines. We were created with the need for rest. We have to have downtime to be refreshed. So the first thing is Sabbath is a rest to refresh our bodies and our spirits, and they both need that, and it is so important, and we have to drive that home. One of the things, you know, I've got, I got an Apple Watch on here. I like my Apple Watch. It helps me. I love working out. I keep up with it, you know, and every day it does it, but one of the things that has driven me crazy since I bought this, but it is so our culture. What it is going to be doing today is telling me, if you hurry up, you can still get a workout in today. You can still get your exercise and burn your calories. And every time I want to smash it and say, no, this is the day I don't do that. The other days I do that. I got up yesterday. I actually got up on New Year's and Christmas Day and joked, gee, there was nobody else out working out except for me. I was, I was shocked by that. But it does not give me the option to say, here's the thing, every Sunday I'm not going to rest. If I meet my exercise goal on Sunday, I failed. I blew it. It's a day off. But our culture and our technology does not want to give us that. Second thing, Sabbath is a rest to remember redemption. This is something that is specific to us as the people of God. Notice in uh, Leviticus 23, 3, we're told it's a day, a Sabbath of rest, a day of sacred assembly. So notice there's not just ceasing from your work. There is an assembling together, which is interesting. And it is a Sabbath to the Lord. This is legislation again for God's people. True Sabbath has to be for the Lord, 
to the Lord. Time off without gathering with God's people to worship is just doing nothing. It's not the Sabbath that you and I need. It is not what we are made for. And, and hear this, any pagan can take a day off. Only God's people can practice Sabbath, which of necessity includes gathering with God's people. So hitting the slopes to ski because it's a beautiful day for that is not Sabbath. Getting up early, doing a tailgater and watching the games all day is not Sabbath. And not because I say it's not, because God says it's not. It will not do what we need. Those things will not accomplish it. Gathering with God's people is essential. What's interesting is in Deuteronomy, we saw, I mean, in Exodus, we saw a couple of minutes ago, and the first time the Ten Commandments came out, it said, look, you practice Sabbath because you're remembering creation. All of creation has its order. But in Deuteronomy, when God gives the Ten Commandments again, reminds the people, notice how he gives uh, Sabbath regulations here and the basis for it. In Deuteronomy 5.15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. In Exodus, we do it because we're created. In Deuteronomy, we do it because we're redeemed. It's a different thing. There's a, there's a new aspect that is added in. As God's people, we observe Sabbath because not only we're created, we do that, but because specifically we know that we have been redeemed. In Sabbath, we cease other activities, whatever those other activities are, to focus on God and his redemptive work in and for us, which is why and Leviticus says it's a day of sacred assembly. It's a day where we gather together. This is a challenge for us in our culture because, again, even when I was young, I remember as a kid because we did not go to church at the time, and I couldn't understand why nothing was open on Sunday. Like, why is everything shut down? Why can't I go to the places I normally go to? We weren't paying attention. Unfortunately, today, except for Chick-fil-A, <laughs> right? Which people are complaining about. I just read an article this week that there's furor over that in certain areas where uh, one of the turnpikes or something in the Northeast, they're upset because in the little food places, Chick-fil-A's in there, which everybody wants, but they want to force them to be open on Sunday. We don't, we don't understand that. But no, as God's people, this is a no-brainer. On Sunday, we are set aside and we gather with God's people for worship. And nothing is to get in the way with that. Thirdly, Sabbath is a rest to rejoice in God's provision. So we rest to refresh our bodies and spirits. We rest to remember redemption. And thirdly, we rest to rejoice in God's provision. Notice again in Leviticus in verses two and three, uh, the Lord says, these are my appointed feasts or festivals. In other words, and it's gonna list three of them. Sabbath is one of them. That these are times of celebration. These are times where you are rejoicing in all that God has done for you. In many cultures, you know, this was very, very common. What did you do when the harvest came in? You have a big party. You celebrate that the harvest has come in. Again, we don't think in those terms because how do I get food? I go to the supermarket, right? 
And, and amazingly enough, the aisles in my garden at the supermarket produce all the time. But in creation, it's not actually that way. It's not really the way it is. And so the Lord says, look, there are these festivals, there are these feasts, and one of these festivals and feasts, the first one he brings up is the Sabbath. It's a weekly time to have a festival. It's a time of celebration. So the idea is, again, not about restricting. The idea is actually saying, look, stop doing your other stuff so you can rejoice in the fact that there is abundance. The rest of the world thinks it needs to slave away for seven days, you don't have to. The amazing thing is when you look at Genesis, it is so different than the other creation accounts from the ancient world. When you look at the rest of them in the ancient world, the gods made human beings to be their slaves. We had to work so that the gods could be taken care of, and therefore there is no idea of ever rest for us. But God speaks to his people and says, no, that's not the way it was. I made you. I did work. And in fact, I made you on the final day. And then your first full day is a day of rest because I've made provision for you. The world is abundant. And the world was here producing before you came along. And it will produce whether you are doing the labor or not. So in Sabbath, we imitate our Father who ceased working to rejoice over the goodness of creation. See, it's not that God in Genesis works for the six days and says, man, I am exhausted. I've got to take a nap. That's not what's going on. The picture is he's worked. He's brought all of this forth. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. And then we get to the seventh day. And what does the Lord say? It's very good, and it's so good, he sits back, and he observes, and he enjoys. The problem is, if we never cease, do we ever have space to enjoy? We don't. We never get a space to enjoy. The fourth thing is Sabbath is a rest to restrict our materialist urge. It's a rest to restrict our materialist urge. Again, in Leviticus 23.3, it says you are not to do any work. So how much work are we supposed to do on the Sabbath? But Lord, I find work to be restful. What, What does the Lord say to that? No, you're making excuses. You're trying to get around. I know better than you do what you need. And what you need is no work. I remind you when this provision was given and they caught a man even out picking up sticks, what happened to him? Anybody remember? He was actually stoned. It was very serious. This was the, this was the penalty in the law. Now, now the reason for that is because let me tell you something. If you and I don't observe Sabbath, you are slowly stoning yourself. You're slowly killing yourself yourself. It's what we're doing. And God says, no, you don't need to do this. No work. It is a speed bump throughout the week. It is one that is set in that says, you're going to stop. You know, when you have speed bumps in communities, why do they put those there? What's their purpose? Right. Is the purpose that I just slow down at the speed bump? See, it's affecting how I go. There's no point in me putting the pedal to the metal 
for the next 40 feet, right? And then having to stop again. The whole point is it makes you slow down. It alters the way you're driving throughout the whole community. Sabbath alters the way I live the other six days as well. But see, there's a problem. This leads to a struggle, and it's not unique to us. In the book of Amos, Amos is writing to the people of Israel, and notice their response to Sabbath, this gift. Amos chapter 8, beginning at verse 4. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over? That's one of the festivals. That we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat. God says, I'm giving you times of festival. I'm giving you times to stop and to rest. And what's their response? Yeah, but when can we get done with this? Because I've got more to do. And God is rebuking them through the prophet. And notice the reason that they're wanting to do this is because we're trampling the needy. We're doing away with the poor of the land. And he continues on at the end of verse 5. Skimping the measure, boosting the price, cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. All of these were ways that they oppressed. That it was about, I got to get what I want. I'm out to get mine. And if this other person gets cheated in the process, too bad for them. And the Sabbath is crashing into that. And when that's there to restrict that urge, one of them's got to go. Either I've got to give up that urge or I've got to give up Sabbath. And which one are they wanting to give up? Sabbath. That's literally what they're wanting to do. It interfered with their marketing in their day and their way of wanting to do it. And you know what? They're right. It was meant to interfere with that. That's exactly what it was. It's like me driving through a community and saying, these speed bumps are so stupid, I can't go fast. Yep, that's the point. That's why they're there. That's exactly what they are meant to accomplish. But this was a consistent problem for Israel. You can read about Jeremiah talking about it in Jeremiah 17. Nehemiah is bringing it up even after the exile. They had still not learned. They were piling up right at the gates in Nehemiah's day, just waiting. The second Sabbath was over so they could jump in. And Nehemiah was like, you are missing the point, And this is why we got exiled in the first place. The land had to be given its rest. And so we have taken this materialist urge that's an example here in Amos, and we have put that on steroids. We cannot stand the thought of shutting down the wheels of commerce, even for a day. I've mentioned this before, but you know, it used to be that Thanksgiving came along and it was really a whole weekend, right? Because it was convenient. It's always on a Thursday. So it was like 96 hours of gratitude. And then what was the thing we came up with? Black Friday. And when does Black Friday start now? Thursday, right? Look, if you're going to be grateful, okay, we'll give you like two hours to be grateful. Out of all the hours in the year, you'd be grateful then, but then we got to get back to materialism. This is the way we are. I remind you, post 9-11, one of the things we were told basically was if you want to help fight terrorism, pull out your credit card. Spend money. That, that's not the way we are created to live. And Sabbath is meant to cause us to have to, to 
to put a break on that. So into this acquisitive age, the practice of Sabbath crashes. It structures our weeks to break the materialist urge. But please hear me on this. There is no worse master than money and possessions. And Sabbath is a rest from this master that can free us the other six days during the week. Literally, what I'm saying, it's a master. Remember, Jesus talked about the God mammon. That's what this God is. We, we turn it into a God, and it is a cruel master. And in Sabbath, we break from that and say, this stuff is not my provision. What's my provision? Yahweh's my provision. And I don't have to labor unceasingly. And in fact, I don't have to ceaselessly desire these other things because will I find rest in these things? I will not find rest in those things. And then the last area is Sabbath is a rest to regard eternity. So we've talked about it being a rest to refresh our soul. It's a rest to remember redemption. It's a rest to rejoice in God's provision. It's a rest to resist the the materialist urge. But then the last thing, all of those are kind of current. It gives us a chance to regard eternity and to think through where we are going. So notice again in verse 2, these are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord. And all the feasts, if you look at them in the Old Testament, they're all typological. They are all there to help the people of God understand something. And we see how they all point forward to Christ and they point forward to his work and what uh, he is doing for us. And the New Testament picks this theme up on Sabbath and tells us that this is where it is ultimately driving. In the book of Hebrews, it's kind of playing a little bit with the idea that Joshua whose name is the same as Jesus, took the people into the promised land, and they were supposed to be given rest, but they didn't really find rest. And the writer to Hebrews then comes in verse 9 of chapter 4 and says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. I love that phrase. Make every effort. This is the relentless pursuit of rest, is what he's telling us to do. So that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. See, the Old Testament Sabbath rest was not the real rest. It just pointed to the real rest. And the real rest is found in Christ. And we're going to see the consummation of it in eternity. There is still a Sabbath rest that awaits us, which is when we are in our eternal home with God in the age to come. And every Sabbath now is a pointer to that. It's a time where I say, you know what? I'm gonna stop running around where I am so busy caught up in just all the little things that are going on and I'm gonna take a, a moment to reflect on the fact of where I'm going. What it is that I've been made for. To reorient myself away from the temporal to the eternal, from this fallen world to the perfect world that is coming on. And every Sabbath day is a chance for us to do that. Now, how do we apply this? What does this mean for us? 
And I wanted us, you know, we're taking the time to do this here at the beginning of the year because it's a great time to kind of orient ourselves for 2024. And so there's a question. Sabbath is for us. You were made for Sabbath. It is woven into your DNA. You need it. I need it. We all need it. But it is completely out of sync with our culture. So the question is, am I practicing a biblical Sabbath? The first question that I would say, if you are hearing this, whether in person or online, true Sabbath is only found in Christ. You, because true Sabbath is us being with God. Us, you know, in the original creation account, Adam uh, is made and he's there and his first day he experiences Sabbath. That is true shalom, true relationship with God, seeing God face to face. And sin has crashed into that and disrupted that. And the only way we can really experience rest is in relationship with God. St. Augustine, the great church father, put it this way. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Look around at our culture, and honestly, we can often look at our own lives. There is this restless pursuit of one thing or another or another, and the reason for that is because we were made for God. And no matter how many things I try to stuff in there, the way Pascal put it is that God-shaped void in my soul, and I try and stuff other things in there, but will they ever fill it? No. So the first point is, I can't really be experiencing biblical Sabbath unless I know Jesus Christ, unless I am in a relationship with God my Father through Christ. If you have never found that rest, I urge you to look to Christ today. But even as believers, if we are here and most of us are believers, we need to practice Sabbath. It is part of it. It's not like, well, I came to Jesus and therefore, well, Sabbath was that Old Testament thing. No, it is part of creation. And in fact, it's going to be part of the new creation. It's just in the new creation, we finally enter consummated eternal Sabbath. So I'm going to throw back up these five key principles here, okay? Sabbath being a day to refresh body and spirit, a day to gather with believers to remember our redemption, a day to rejoice in God's provision for our needs, a day to restrict the materialism of our age, and a day to regard eternity. So this is five biblical aspects. So I want you to think and look at those for a second. And let's ask the Holy Spirit, which of these is he prompting me to grow in in 2024? Okay? Which of these is he prompting me to grow in in 2024? And by the way, these are also in your booklet in the discussion guide and in the email that just came out. These five things are listed there. So you can take them and do it. But I, I want us to ask uh, in, in doing that, and, and I again want to remind us, this isn't about legalism, okay? It's a gift. This is God's gift to us. I know, I know few gifts that are so resisted as the gift of Sabbath. You would think the Lord were ordering us to on the seventh day work twice as hard, but he's not. He's saying, take it off. It's on me. It's like the Lord saying, 
eat whatever, order whatever you want at the restaurant, I'm paying for the bill. No, I want to pay for it myself. You might need some help. Okay, so these are not about legalism. God says, this is my gift to you. And if we will open up our soul, we will find it to be healing and restoring. That day where we're re-souled, where we are, we are refreshed in our soul. But these are the parts of that. And so which of these would the Spirit be saying to me, this is an area that maybe I've been resisting? This is a thing that I've, I've not wanted to do. Maybe it's, you know what, I, I just keep running. I never take downtime to be refreshed. Maybe it is, you know what, I, I've been trying to get refreshed, but it's not really included me regularly gathering with God's people for worship. M maybe it's, uh, I don't really rejoice in God's provision. I'm always thinking about the things I don't have rather than just rejoicing in what God has given me. Maybe it's that materialist urge that God is trying to restrict. Or maybe it's, I'm so busy thinking about the here and now, I never take time to step back and reflect on where we're going, the great joy that lies ahead. So which of these is the Spirit calling me to grow in 2024? And I'm gonna give just a couple of brief tips, and I will say I'm gonna go over these more in after hours. But for building Sabbath into our lives, these five things we can do. Number one, do it just a little bit daily. Remember I mentioned rhythms, okay? In essence, there's almost a mini Sabbath every day in that the sun goes down, that there's this rhythm that came. And in fact, interestingly enough, in the Genesis text, remember it was there was evening and there was morning the first day. The whole rhythm goes from rest to a time of work, rest to a time of work. And that is certainly the way it is in Christ. So we every day should take time to just set aside in whichever of these things the Lord is doing. Could be morning, could be evening, but I wanna, I wanna rest, I wanna you know, worship, I wanna rejoice in God's provision, whatever of these things, but doing it each and every day. But secondly, and primarily the way the Lord weaves it in the Old Testament, is a weekly Sabbath. Now, for the overwhelming majority of us, that is actually Sunday. In the New Covenant, it has shifted from the seventh day to the first day because of the resurrection of Christ. And I've taught on that before. There are reasons why that happens. Again, the Old Testament finds its fulfillment in Christ. But it's a day where we set aside from normal activities to rest, reflect, and worship. And that means we set it aside as a day of no work at all, if possible. A day to rest physically, okay? A day that there's no reason to feel guilty if you wanna go home and take a nap later. God actually says, yes, you are getting it. Rest, relax a day that is set aside, a day that is set aside for worship. Again, one of the problems in our culture is we've moved the stream of consciousness. See, the whole pattern is God says, I restrict some things, but not for the sake of restricting, but so that you'll be given to that which is most important. But see, we've removed all the restrictions, and then what's happened is we very often do not gather with God's people. But there is no Sabbath apart from that. 
It's, it's not that for which we were created. So not letting other things interfere, making it a high priority. And, and again, remembering the point of this is it's the Father's gift. It's how you were designed. It's how you were made. It's not, it's not bad when I put oil in my internal combustion engine. That's good for it. It was designed to need that. And the oil that you and I need is weekly Sabbath. Now again, I'm going to go over a little bit more in after hours and talk about some practical tips and things that, because this is something that has been woven into my life for a long time. It was not originally. When I first heard about this, I was like, I'm glad I don't have to do that kind of stuff anymore. And then upon more reflection, realized, no, this is actually God's gift to us. And I want to encourage you, if you've never practiced this before, let this be a year where the Lord weaves this in. And if your soul right now is feeling a little bit antsy at the prospect, that might be the Holy Spirit impressing upon you, because my soul can get very distorted and find it very hard to simply rest. And this isn't about you. I I can tell you, for those of you who've been around here for a while, you remember when I took a sabbatical, which is built on this word, this idea, and it was supposed to be a time of deep rest. And less than two weeks in, I jumped back into work. And we, we gathered with the church down in Florida. And, and as we were there, we came out of the meeting. We said how much we enjoyed it. And Linda said, uh, you know, we were talking to each other. And I said, you know, what did the Lord speak to you? And then I said, for me, I said, the Lord kind of spoke to me and said, what about the word Sabbath and sabbatical are you not understanding? To which my wife said, yeah, I already knew that was going to say it, but I figured you wouldn't listen to me, so I just let God say it to you. (laughs) Okay, so I'm telling you, I found it hard. This is not a, I can find this difficult. This is my type A personality. But I have learned this is God's gift. So let's grow in this this year. Now what we're going to do is we're going to come to the Lord's table. And this is our Sabbath meal of rest and refreshment. At this table, we get to rest from our own works. You cannot earn this table, nor can I. It's the Father's gift. At this table, we receive refreshment for body and soul from Jesus And at this table, we're looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. All of these aspects that we're talking about are being done here at this table. And so I want to encourage you as we come to the table this morning, come with the desire to receive rest and refreshment from the Lord. And before we we hand it out as an administrative note, in a couple of minutes we're going to be handing it out. You don't have to be a member of our congregation. You do have to be a believer. In taking this, I'm saying my works contribute nothing to my salvation. They only contribute to my problem. It's the works of Jesus. So if you're a believer, you are welcome to come with us. But secondly, as a practical note, when we're passing it out in a moment, you grab the two cups. They are gluten-free. They look similar to the others, but they're in the very inner ring in each one. So I know we have some folks who knew gluten-free that'll be there. Um, with that, as we're coming in, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 11. This is a very familiar passage, Matthew 11:28 28 to 30. But what's interesting, 
we oftentimes, and I did for years, I would read this as completely unrelated to Sabbath. But the very next verse starts in chapter 12, and guess what Jesus and the Pharisees are arguing over? Sabbath. They're arguing over what really produces rest. The Pharisees said it was the law. Jesus says, no, it's me. I provide rest. So the Lord speaks to us and says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brothers and sisters, if you have rested from your labors in trying to earn your salvation, I invite you to come to the table and receive fresh rest and refreshment for your soul. For what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're gonna go ahead and pass out the elements as you take them. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you both of your need for Sabbath and God's gift of Sabbath rest to you in Jesus Christ. And then we'll take together in just a couple moments. Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Father, in the beginning you made us in your image, provided everything we needed, including abundant food. But we were tempted with a restless desire for more and so took the one thing you had forbidden. Thus we fell, breaking shalom and blessing and plunging creation into the curse and ourselves into ceaseless labor and restless wandering away from you. Yet through Jesus, you have redeemed us to yourself, giving us rest from our labors and giving us the true food that we need and desire. So now we give you thanks for Jesus receiving him as the true bread of life. Brothers and sisters, take and eat. And is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. Lord, our sin separated us from you, filling us with shame so that we hid from ourselves, one another, and you. And in this state, we tried to atone for our sin and to cover ourselves by our own efforts, but we can never remove our own sin. But the blood of Jesus is more powerful than all our sin. It is able to cleanse us from shame so that we might again be healed and restored in spirit and body, within ourselves, with one another, and with 
you. Lord, we thank you that his blood has provided real atonement and forgiveness now and forevermore. And so, Father, as we take this cup, we cease from our own works and we receive fresh and new his perfect cleansing and righteousness. Thanks be to God for the blood of Christ. Take and drink. Let's stand together and we will pray and then receive the blessing of the Lord. Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We thank you, Lord, for your many gifts, including the gift of Sabbath rest. And Lord, today, instructed by your word, we receive this gift anew. Lord, we ask that your spirit would draw us into this rest throughout the new year. Lord, when we are weary, draw us to Christ to find true rest. Lord, when we are restless, draw us to Christ to find our heart's true desire. When we run to false freedoms and instead find only bondage, draw us to Christ and set us free with the liberty that you give to your children. Lord, we ask that this would be a year where we would truly receive your gracious gift of rest. Lord, may it be a sign in a restless, ceaseless culture. May it be a sign that we are your people. Father, we ask all of this through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, forever blessed. And God's people say, amen. Now I encourage you, I'm gonna use the, the benediction from Numbers that we looked at last week. Receive the blessing of the Lord and go forth full of his uh, rest to lead you into this week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Brothers and sisters, you are blessed. Rest in that blessing and then be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.